You're listening to the Idol Life Club podcast, episode 76. Welcome to the Ideal Life Club podcast, where it's all about fast-tracking your ideal business and life with more clarity, courage, and consistency. Join your host, business coach, and author of The Happiness Habits Transformation, Michelle Reeves, for inspiration, interviews, and practical tips to finally claim success on your terms. Hey there friends, Michelle here and welcome back to the Ideal Life Club podcast. Brian Hilliard is my guest on the show today for a conversation about how we can all be more successful and who doesn't want that. You may remember that I was a guest on one of Brian's podcasts recently and I really enjoyed chatting with him. I just had to get him on the show. So Brian left corporate life after stress began affecting his health and he's now a popular speaker, the author of seven books and host of two podcasts. He works with busy entrepreneurs in the areas of marketing and mindset and personal achievement and he has multiple coaching programs. In our conversation today, Brian shares how success is not just about learning new things that work but unlearning old habits that don't work how the dual prongs of commission and omission can make anyone more successful or less successful, one thing you must have before you use the Pareto rule, how to not let the tyranny of the small overcome the powerful of the impactful, as he puts it, and the right way to sell for anyone who wants to grow their business without feeling sleazy. And as always, you'll find all the links and details of today's show and all the other shows in this series at michellereescoaching.com forward slash listen. But before we get started, have you ever wondered what it might be like to have a podcast just like this one to promote your business? If you have, you might also have put it off because you're just not sure how to get started. If that resonates with you, my online program, Practical Podcasting for Beginners, is for you. With step-by-step videos covering all aspects of creating and launching your podcast, plus access to me for help and support when you need it. What could a podcast do for your business? Find out more and get the first 10 lessons of the course completely free with no credit card required at michellereevescoaching.com forward slash podcast free. Okay, back to my conversation with Brian. So guys, crazy excited today. We have Brian Hilliard in the house, popular speaker. He's a coach. He's an author of not one, two, three, but seven books, including the best-selling Networking Like a Pro and How to Overachieve Without Overcommitting. We have got so much to talk about today. I am going to get straight into it. Brian, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Oh, well, thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to this for a while, so I appreciate you having me on. It is going to be such fun. We've got tons to talk about. But first of all, for those people that don't know you, I always like to start with a little bit of backstory. So tell us a bit about how you got to be where you are today. Oh, okay. Well, I started my business in 2001. Um, Before that, I actually worked in corporate. I worked for a couple of different organizations, um, like I said, in corporate, doing some work for um, on kind of like a customer service as a manager and then also with a uh, Equifax, which is a credit bureau. Uh, And I started my business, like I said, right after 9-11. And one of the things, you know, 
from there was I didn't really know that I wanted to be a coach. So like for a lot of people who maybe are just starting a business or have been doing it, you know, for relatively less than 10 years, um, it's like, what do you mean? No coaches. Well, in 2001, there really wasn't coaches as we know it today. So I did a lot of speaking straight up. You know, I would go out, I, a lot of free speaking engagements, actually. I would go out, I would speak, talk to people, and they would come up to me, they'd buy books and stuff like that. And they would come up to me afterwards, they'd say like, can we talk some more? And I'd be like, yeah, that's great. And then we talk some more. And then they're like, can we still talk some more? They're like, you're, you're helping me out on this. And I remember thinking to myself, I was like, you know, I think I would have to charge some money like for this, otherwise, like all I'm going to be doing is talking. I'm not going to earn any money. So my first coaching, my first two coaching clients was a whopping $45 a month. Okay. I tell people that and like, they don't believe me and I don't believe it, but it's what happened. $45 a month, two sessions a month. Uh, and it was really interesting because that got me going and talking and really jumping into coaching. Um, doing some of those things afterwards, that got me a chance to go out and speak some more. You mentioned some of the books I've written, Networking Like a Pro, um, How to Overachieve Without Overcommitting. And then fast forward to today, I do a number of different paid speaking engagements. Um, we have a program on everyday success habits where we're talking about what people can do to be successful. Um, and it's something that, you know, I got to tell you, I get a chance to meet people like yourself. I get a chance to go out and speak. I get a chance to obviously do some coaching. Really, really love it. Oh, it's such a great journey. I love that you were corporate side, just like I was. I think there's yep. a lot of people start off corporate and sort of wind their way into the coaching space. And really interesting, you know, that you didn't know you wanted to be a coach. I certainly never expected to be a coach myself. So that that really resonates with me. Um, and you also have a great podcast. Tell us a bit about that. I know how good it is because you very kindly invited me as a guest. <laughs> <laughs> we actually, we actually, to be honest with you, have actually launched a second one as well. So the first one that you were on was a conversation about brand and grow your coaching practice. We're up to uh, close to 200 episodes on that bad boy. Wow. And really, yeah, I know. It's like, I remember just starting it. And now, then I remember reaching my hundredth episode and then it's like 200, it just happened. Um, I wound up launching an additional podcast called Everyday Success Habits. Um, and that's a conversation around, you know, it's funny because one of my books is how to overachieve without overcommitting. Okay. And I would go out and that's one of my more popular programs for paid speaking. People want to hear that. That's great. The problem I was having was how is it that I bring people from that into a coaching program? People generally speaking were overwhelmed. There was some challenge. Maybe I wasn't saying it right. Who knows? Well, recently I thought to myself, I was like, you know, and I've been kicking this around for a while, but I just, you know, you have these ideas that you're kicking around and then you go back and you kick it and then you go back and you kick it around. So mm. I was kicking it around again. And I was like, you know, I should call it everyday success habits. Talk about what successful people do to be more successful. And bing, bang, and almost boom, it was just like, okay, website came up, then a podcast came up, then obviously our program is up. We actually have two programs on it. And I wound up, like I said, launching an additional podcast called Everyday Success Habits um, and something that I also enjoy doing as well. So we got two going right now. Um, and it's a little bit of a full-time job, but I, but I do enjoy it. It's a lot easier when you actually know what you're doing. <laughs> wow. Two, I mean, I find one podcast is kind of, is enough challenging yeah. running alongside a business, but you have two. Well done. I'm definitely going to be tuning into that because 
habits i mean guys you know me i wrote my own book on habits the happiness habits that that i use to come back from my own experience of postnatal depression and how i regained my i suppose just came back to myself with with a set of right. habits that work for me so habits is something that's that's really dear to my heart and i'd love to start there with you so okay what is it about habits why are some people more successful than others is it because of the habits that they use in their lives uh, the short answer to that, Michelle, is yes. I think, let me back up a little bit though, because this is, can be a little bit tough for people. The question is, why is it some people are more successful than others, while others who have the exact same skill set, training, and work ethic are, are less so, they struggle. And what I have found is a couple of things. The first is that success is less of a conversation about learning something new that works, and more of a conversation around unlearning something old that doesn't. Okay. Mm. What happens is people think that, oh, I have to be able to learn all this new stuff and implement it and do all these things. And unless I, you know, am Elon Musk and I guess understand, I don't know if Elon knows this exactly, but understand science and technology and getting somebody to Mars or whatever, you know, space travel, then I can't, I can't be successful. And, and that's not true. It's less about learning something new that works and more about unlearning something old that doesn't. That's point number one. Point number two relating to the habits and why people are successful, this I found fascinating, if you don't mind me saying. When mm -hmm. I was taking a look at this, I was looking at success. So I started my business, like I said, in 01. And that whole time, I kind of was thinking to myself, why is it that I feel like I'm winning and other people are not? Now, don't get me wrong. It's not like I'm a millionaire or anything like that. I'm not Elon Musk. He's probably a billionaire, actually. But we have a nice house. You know, we have cars. We have animals. Like, it's okay. And I was like, why is it that everyone doesn't win in business? Why is it everybody doesn't win in getting a promotion? Why is it everyone doesn't win getting a pay raise or maybe transitioning from corporate, like we alluded to before, to business? Why doesn't more people win? And it turns out in my mind, it's a conversation about what I call commission and omission, okay? So what happens is successful people do things that make them successful. In Western culture, we think of that a lot. We're all about the work ethic. We're all about the getting up early. We're all about the do, 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 go, go, go. No question about that. But here's the thing. Successful people also don't do things that makes them successful. That's a conversation about omission. So what happens is successful people uh, are early risers, generally speaking, commission. They do not watch a lot of television, omission. They are people who are hard workers and go-getters, commission. They don't do a lot of gossip, omission. And when you combine these two things, there's a whole list of them, but when you combine those two things, what you have is a profile of what success looks like. And then on the flip side, and here was even more fascinating than that, was that I found that unsuccessful people did the same things, except it caused them to be unsuccessful. So what they would do is commission omission. They would have a tendency of um, being stubborn, commission, not being coachable, omission. Um, uh, you know, watching a lot of television, commission, um, not learning new things, omission, um, having a, a fixed mindset. We're talking about Dr. Carol Zwick now, growth and fixed mindset, having a fixed mindset, commission, not being open to new ideas, omission. So they're actually doing things that are holding them back, which coming back to your question, is it a conversation about everyday success habits? Yes, it is. But it's not necessarily what you have to do. In a lot of cases, it's what you don't need to be doing. But the problem is that most people have their foot on the gas and the brake at the same time, and they're running, doing all these things and wondering why they're not getting the results that they want. Oh, wow. I love that. I love unlearning old stuff that doesn't work because... 
it speaks so much to um you know because it, it, we talked about habits at the beginning and it, it, and often people will say to me you know it's it's hard to learn new habits how on earth do i learn a new habit but to your point it is probably harder to unlearn an old habit that is holding you back so how do yeah. we how do we do that how do we unlearn some of those probably quite deep seated and ingrained habits that's exactly right. Okay, so there's two points on that as well. Point number one, you probably already know this, listeners may or may not know this. So all the way up to age seven, it turns out as a kid, all right, as a young kid, as a infant, we are an open sponge. So like there is no filter between what we hear and what we think to be true. Our mom comes to us and says, you're great. We think to ourselves, we're great. Our dad comes to us and says, you're great. We think to ourselves, we're great. We, there's no filter. So what happens is we internalize all of this again, up to age seven. Now, what happens there though, is that creates the foundation by which as an adult and even the teenage years and obviously years forward, that creates the foundation by which we view ourselves and the rest of the world. The good news is that we pick up some good things during that time. Don't talk to strangers, look both ways when you cross the street. Um, you know, don't play with open fire. <laughs> There's some things that you're like, oh, okay, as a kid, like mommy, you know, smacked my hand because I put my hand on the stove. Like that's a good thing that you still want to know at 38 years old. Okay. But the problem is that there's some other things that took place at four and five that mommy, and by the way, unwittingly passed on to us. It's not like she went out of her way to try to pass on some old habits. It just was how she was or, or dad too. We're not singling anybody out. So what happens is we pick up some of these old habits and we think that they're true. We think that they're true because we've never examined the fact that they weren't true. It's very similar to like, mm. you don't know what you don't know. We, we, I think you and I talked about that a while back during our interview. You don't know what you don't know. Mm. Okay. So the first point is recognizing that there is some foundational elements, just like in the computer that's running in the background of which you are not aware. That's point number one. Okay. That sets us up for point number two to answer your question more directly. Dr. Joe Dispenza, if you haven't heard of him, I'd highly recommend for your listeners, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. Terrific book. Bring your A game though and whatever high school, college, or post-college degree you might have because it's pretty aggressive in terms of language and things like that. Bring the whole thing, okay? But he talks about this idea of breaking the habit of being yourself and he has a conversation about unlearning some of these old habits. And the short answer to that is that you want to be able to do some things that in a lot of ways tricks your mind to think that what isn't happening actually is. You're like, Brian, that sounds like witchcraft. No, no, no. Here, here, here's exactly how it works. It happens every day. It happened to me last night. Maybe it happened to you. You know what we call it? A dream. Oh, a dream. Yeah. I had a dream last night. I don't remember what it was. I know I had it because I can kind of remember it, right? But I had a dream last night. I also had, a, I think you have like five or six dreams a night, by the way, but whatever. Okay. I had a dream last night. All right. I had a dream the night before too. Apparently my girlfriend was telling me I woke up and I was like, ah, you know, sometimes for whatever reason, I get into presentation mode during my dreams. I don't know what happens. <laughs> So, so she says I was talking. I asked her if I made a lot of sense and she said, no. I said, fine, maybe next time I will. So anyway, I was talking. Now at the time that feels really, that feels perfectly like totally um, in line and feels like it's happening, except it's not. So we know right off the bat, everyone listening to this, if you've ever had a dream, you know for a fact that your subconscious and your mind can influence your physical outtake. Okay, if we know that and we just take that as being truth, well, then why can't we then go to that next logical step, which should be more intentional about it? How do you do that? Well, meditation. 
What about going through, doing a quick part of your morning routine, separate conversation, but we can talk about it, your morning routine, and you're envisioning where you want to go. So for me, I have a conversation around, I am now in the right place. I am happy, healthy, and prosperous in all ways, as I'm in a constant state of flow, energy, and grace from God, I am blessed. That's my vision. So I do that through my morning meditation during my routine, maybe it takes me two or three minutes, Okay, and what's happening is I am programming, and that's the word, I am programming my subconscious to go to where I want it to be, which by definition will root out some of the other stuff that doesn't need to be there. That's just kind of literally like your, you know, um, nephew or, or son-in-law taking up space in the garage or the basement or something like that, kicking that bad boy out, replacing it with some of the good stuff that you want it to be and going from there. The bottom line is that a lot of people have this negative um, energy and baggage in their mind. And as a result, they focus more on what they don't want than what they do. And it creates a self-fulfilling prophecy. But the trick to unlearning is to focus on what you do want. And then from there, programming that vis-a-vis -vis the morning routine and the meditation. And then that allows you to, through the law of attraction and a few other things, be able to attract more of what it is you're looking for. Oh, I love that. Morning routines, definitely my jam. I'm a big, big proponent of that first couple of hours of the day setting you up for the best day that you can have. Yep. Um, I, I learned that I was not an early morning person, definitely. Right. Um, but when I, you know, when my kids were little, you become a morning person <laughs> <laughs> quite quickly. And I just realized that, you know, in order for me to have some time for myself, then I needed to be up before anybody else in the house was up. And oh my goodness, right. it was a game changer. And I kept it going and I'm up always the first in the house. And right. I love your, your point about programming your brain a certain way and that mm. kind of negativity that um, can be habitual. I, I believe yes. that negativity is a habit. It's our it brain is. because what's going on neurologically and I'm, I'm not a neurologist by any means. I know enough to be dangerous, but I, I do know that our brains um, you know, our brain wants to be as efficient as possible. So mm -hmm. the pathways that get created in our brain when we, mm -hmm. you know, do repeat things over and over again, including thoughts, you know, our brain's going to go the easy route, you know, it's going right. to take the bridge rather than the hike, it's going to go mm -hmm. straight to that negative thought, because that's mm -hmm. quick and easy. So we have to do that reprogramming, like you say, would you say, do you use journaling at all as part of that process? I know one of the things that um, I particularly found was a skill that that helped me and I still do it actually is I journal at the beginning of the day and I like to actually get out uh, anything that is could be holding me back so the question I ask myself is what could hold me back today and I right. journal all of that out because when I can look at that I can often go through it and say, okay, what, what in here is truth and right. what in here is supposition? Because it's right. that supposition, which is just mindset, right? Right, right. That's exactly right. The short answer is I don't journal um, for whatever reason. That's just not what I do. Uh, what I do do, though, to disperse that negative, I call it negative energy, not that I'm the only one who calls it that, but I call it negative energy. Mm. What I do do to disperse that negative energy is I will do a, like I said, I'll do a meditation in the morning. If I have something that's particularly stressful, like if I, I don't know, uh, get into an argument with my parents or somebody wants to, you know, 
cuts you off when you're driving or, you know, something like that, right? Mm. I will go and I will really, I will actually take some in breaths and out breaths. I will disperse, you know, one, two, three in, one, two, three out type of thing. So I physically look at it like a dispersion of energy that way. Um, and then backtracking just for a second, talking about the, you know, the, the brain, the point that you just made, the brain going to the path of, essentially the path of least resistance. Mm. Um, the way that was explained to me, I don't remember if that was in Breaking the Habit or not. So if it was, I'll give Dr. Joe credit. If it wasn't, I apologize. But the way it was explained to me is that your brain creates a set of neural pathways, just like you alluded to. And the, what happens is just like when you're doing like a quad, like a four wheeler, you know, you're going out in the country. And like, mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> what happens is the more that four wheelers, if it's you, if it's me, if it's your husband, if it's this, if it's your kids, like the more four wheelers that go over the same ground, eventually what happens is it creates a path, doesn't it? Like everybody knows this, it creates a path. Okay. If you have more and you multiply that by a hundred and then another hundred and a thousand, eventually you get an actual wearing in the road or the, or the dirt, which creates this, this path for the four wheelers. And then eventually, depending on how much you do it and how, you know, how deep it is, the four wheeler can't, the, the vehicle you're on can't actually deviate from the path because it's without really having to turn the wheel because the path is so ingrained and so worn that it's actually like your wheels are beneath the path, if I'm making sense, like in dirt. Okay. Mm. So, so what happens is the way of thinking, bringing this back to mindset and bringing it back to success habits, the way of thinking is like, for example, if I, you know, you, you mentioned sales, like one of the points before we were talking a little bit about this earlier, before we got on, if the thinking is I'm not good at sales. So for some of you business owners who might be on here, I'm not good at sales. Mm, I really am not very good at sales at all. Mm, I don't like sales. Mm, I, mm, 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 mm. Well, a thousand of those negative thoughts goes by. And what's happened is it's carved out a path in your brain, neurologically speaking, that is now easier to go towards the negative. I don't like sales. So what happens is when you get somebody who comes as a prospect, your first thought is to go down the, I don't like sales road, because that's the smoothest road in your thinking. The key though, is to be able to back to the point that we we're making earlier is to be able to think to yourself, all right, what's my vision. So if I'm a, you know, if I am a um, entrepreneur, let's say I'm overwhelmed a little bit. Let's say I'm trying to get myself organized, but let's say I've had a, a challenge with sales in the past. First of all, let's just start using the languaging, right? I've had a challenge with sales in the past. It's not that I don't like sales. I don't like the version of sales that didn't work for me for the last five years. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, from there, what can I do? Well, I'd like to be able to, I don't know, I'd like to get two clients a month going forward and I'd like to be able to do it in a way that empowers them to want to work with me. That could be my vision statement. I can say that in the morning. I could say that in the evening. I could say it at lunch. I can get more specific. I can say, you know what? I not only um, enjoy my business so much, but I can't wait to let other people, as many people as I can, know about it. You don't even talk about sales there, but that's the idea of getting out to a wider audience and expanding your reach. So what happens is the more times people go over those negative thoughts, the more times that they have those, you know, uh, that negative energy too, they're creating a pathway that is making it self-fulfilling, which is why it's so hard for people to get out of their own way. They literally have to be aware of what they're doing first before they can make an adjustment to move forward. But once you get off that path that you thought was the road, that's the other thing. People mistake the path for the road and think that it's the truth. Mm -hmm. No, it's just the path. It's the road that you've been on, but there are thousands and millions and maybe even millions of millions of people who are not on that particular path and have a completely different road and a set of, a set of results. 
So what we talk about is how is it, what is it that you can do when you talk about everyday success habits? We talk about what is it that you can do to be able to, on a day-to-day -day basis, be more successful in terms of what you're doing, commission, and what you're not doing, omission, and putting that together into something that makes sense to get you to where you want to go. I, lo I love combining those two. You wrap that up in so nicely with a little bow, the combination of the, the success habits and, and unlearning and, and how that all comes together with, you know, these, the thoughts that we have and the truth that we believe, uh, you know, is real, but you know, it's just going on in our own brains. Let's face it. You know, we, get right. out, we need to get out of our own way as much as possible. Yep. The dice is actually loaded in our favor if we get out, of, right. get out of our own way these days, particularly with, you know, the amount of channels to market that we have these days that just weren't there back in the day. So, you know, I think it's it, often it is around that, that kind of crippling overwhelm that I know so many business owners have and so many business owners that I speak to, it's that, oh my goodness, it's almost too much. There's too many right. options. It's like, where right. do I go? Like we were talking about this um, a little bit earlier. Like, do should I do TikTok? Should I go on right. Clubhouse? Like, right. like, what should I be doing? What What's the, and it's that overwhelm. So how do we manage to, to achieve our goals without that overwhelm? Yeah, that's a great question. So one of the things I wrote about in my book, uh, How to Overachieve Without Overcommitting, is the tagline to that is how to get stuff done without killing yourself in the process. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and, amen to and that. And that's it, right? Yeah, that, I mean, that's totally it. It's like, how do you do that without, you know, literally just running down? Um, part of it is that as a type A personality myself, I actually was in that boat. So when I was working for corporate, I was stressed. Um, I knew there was a problem when I, I started my business when I was 29 and I knew I had two separate instances of ulcer-like conditions. And mm. I'm like, I just had to pop smoke and, you know, call in the medevac and get out of there. Cause that was ridiculous. Okay. Mm. But like, for me, what I had to realize, so there's a few things to answer your question. What is it that I do to not feel so overwhelmed? All right. Point number one is you got to recognize, not you personally, but the, the body politic. People have to recognize that it is not a conversation around getting everything done. Mm -hmm. We're not going to get everything done. All right. The, 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 the underlying premise for a lot of people is I need to be able to do more stuff. And you ask them why. And it, after a couple of times, they said, so that I can finish my list. Well, I would, I would respectfully push back and say, that's a false premise. The list mm -hmm. actually doesn't need to be finished. Okay, point number two, that's a tough one for a lot of people, but number two. Then the question is, the next logical question is, well, what part of the list does need to get finished, Brian? All right, we get to our the Pareto principle. I know you've heard of this, the 80-20 rule. Turns out that 80% of your results can come from 20% of your efforts, okay? So the question then becomes, how? what is it that we need to be able to do in order to be able to get 80% of our results done? Well, number three would be to actually have a vision in the first place for what our results are. A lot of people approach their day like sixth graders coming out of school into summer break, ah, you know, busting through the, the, the classroom, you know, I don't know, going into the lake or getting some ice cream, and they wonder why things aren't working out. It's because they don't really have a clear vision of where it is they're trying to go in the first place. So then that way they can't determine what 80% of their results are going to come from because they don't know. So you want to have a vision. That's number three. Then number four, once you're doing that, for me personally, I'm a whiteboard man. So what I like to do is I like to capture all of the stuff that I need to be doing. I put it on my whiteboard. Another great book for your listeners. Um, it's called Getting Things Done, The Art of Stress-Free Productivity. David Allen wrote that. Really, really good. He has a conversation about what you need to be able to do 
a lot of times people were so busy trying to remember what we need to remember so we don't forget and things fall through the cracks that that actually in and of itself creates anxiety. Mm -hmm. So it's not the 15 million things per se, it's trying to remember not to, you know, the trying to remember and not to forget one of the 15 million things. So point number four is get yourself a whiteboard. I put all of that right down there on my whiteboard, proposal, email, uh, social media, all this other stuff, I put it right on there. And then last but not least, number five, is now you're taking a look at what I call your high impact to-do list. So you have, for me, I'll take a, I, I don't do this right now, I did it. Um, people like this and I like it too. I do something a little bit different right now, but you can get yourself a four by six note card. And what you do is every day you take three to five items from that whiteboard and then you put it on your note card and then you cross the stuff off. You do this, do that, whatever. We're all familiar with that game. If it doesn't, you know, if you don't finish everything, that's okay. You put it on the next day or whatever. The reason I say that as opposed to having this long sheet of paper and the reason why I say put on the whiteboard in the first place, that gets your arms around it. The overwhelm for a lot of people, again, it's not, I don't know what to do per se. It's, I don't want to forget. And I don't know, like, it's all of this stuff. It doesn't, it feels unwieldy. But when you have it on a whiteboard and then transfer three to five items onto a discrete four by six note card, well, then it feels less overwhelming. And then you start working towards that. So when people ask me how you do that, those are kind of the five things that I go through, but they all run part and parcel. Otherwise, you're right back to the fifth grader running out of school, jumping into the lake, getting three scoops of ice cream, and you haven't finished the first one yet, melting all over your hand. You wonder why you're not getting any more. So, so true. I love those tips. I really like the, uh, the, the I mean, the, the Pareto rule. It's, it's, it's one of those things that it's, as Brendan Bouchard would say, it's common knowledge, but that doesn't right. mean it's common practice. That's right. And, and we, we often don't do that. And I think to your point about clarity and having a really clear vision, I would just add to that is measurement. You know, if we, yes. if, if we yes. can, we need to be able to measure, we won't know what 20% of our activities are creating 80% of our role, our goals right. uh, or right. our results rather, unless we can measure it. So, mm -hmm. you know, measurable goals, you know, I always mm -hmm. talk about this guys. I harp on about this all the time. My clients get fed up of me talking about it, but you know, if, if you cannot tie anything that is on your list of activities for the day back to one of your top goals for the quarter, then right. you shouldn't be doing it. Great point. Amen to that choir. It's so true, right? But because we get busy in the busy work and we feel right. accomplished, particularly type A personalities, as you say, right. we love to tick the box, don't we? Yep. And yep. so we, you know, we get busy with the fizzy. We're really happy that we're ticking stuff off. And then we yep. wonder why at the end of the month we haven't hit our targets. That's exactly right. It's kind of like what I tell, you know, I'm a big, um, I'm a big football, American football, I'm a sportsman in general, but American football. And one of the things is, you know, you play the regular season, and then you get the playoffs. Okay. Mm -hmm. And what happens is, as you get to the playoffs, the better teams who have the most wins, you have to play at their home field. So you get, you get terms that says the road to the Super Bowl goes through New England, Foxborough, Massachusetts. Well, let me tell you about Foxborough. It's freezing. It's almost always raining. The field is frozen. There's 40,000 people. It's a hostile crowd. But if you want to go to the Super Bowl that year, generally speaking, you got to go through Foxborough, Massachusetts, because that team usually has the best regular season record. Mm. The same thing is true when you talk about, I made this point to my girlfriend. I said, you know, and your goals, we're going we're gonna to retire either in Portugal or Spain. And we're maybe even thinking about Belize. But the problem there is that the hurricanes um, and the tornadoes. So we're trying to figure that out. But let's say Portugal, okay? And one of the things that 
that I tell her is I said, the road to Portugal does not run through the laundry room. <laughs> and I'm not being disrespectful. The road to Portugal. Okay. You and I, not you and I, but her and I, I'm saying this to her. You and I don't get to Portugal with you or me spending more time in the laundry room. And that's a mm. physical, a, a, that is a figurative and a literal point. You know, we have a tendency, she'll have a tendency to jump in and try to, you know, get stuff done in the kitchen and jump in and do this. And I sometimes have that tendency as well. And I have to be like, listen, honey, I'm, I'm doing a launch this week. The dishes are not going to get clean. Listen, honey, I'm doing the launch this week. The, this is not happening. And she'll have to be like, you know, okay. And vice versa. Sometimes I, I get into that minutia. You can't, you, it's really easy to let the tyranny of the small really just outdo the importance of the impactful. Mm -hmm. So absolutely, the road to Portugal does not run through the laundry room. It doesn't run through the kitchen. It doesn't run through the fence out in the backyard. It doesn't run through the lawn. It doesn't run through the basement, the garage. It runs through the business goals that need to get done. Yes, so, so true. I love that analogy. Big American football fan here as well, even though I'm over here in the UK and my team never wins anything. Um, but but I do love an American football analogy myself. And just to your point on that, you know, it doesn't matter how many passes your team does. But if the ball isn't in the end zone, you don't win. That's exactly right. You don't win. You don't get results. It's one of those deals where, and, and let me make one more point since we're going down this road, if you don't mind, mm -hmm. it's, it's a lot of times where people, they get like in a, dovetails with, with overwhelm. So here's what some people do. They get overwhelmed. And what do they do? They stop, right? Like mm -hmm. you've done that. I've done that. We've all done that. You're, mm -hmm. you're doing stuff. You're trying to get stuff done. You get overwhelmed and you turn around and you stop. And, and what I tell people is back to your point about American football, that's like getting down to the three yard line and being like, oh, well, you know what? I don't need to score a touchdown. Let me just kick a field goal, right? <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, right? I mean, and, and because the defense, when things happen, when it gets down to the three-yard line, several things happen. It gets harder to score, and they start bringing in 300-pound growing men at the line of scrimmage. It gets very, very contentious. Now, offenses, what they do is that they have two choices. Oh, I just turn around. Let me kick a field goal. I didn't really need the seven points anyway. Three's fine. You know, don't want to upset anybody. No, what we do is we bring in bigger guys. We bring in a fullback that's 280 pounds. We bring in a tight end that's 6'5", 280 pounds. We bring in an extra linebacker, and boom, linemen, and we run it in there. Because you got to score. You got to score touchdowns in this league to, to, to win. And the same thing is true in business. And the same thing is true if you're an individual working in an organization. Touchdowns, promotions, touchdowns, clients, touchdowns, efficiency, touchdowns, not feeling overwhelmed, touchdowns, time freedom. Mm -hmm. So true. So true. And and let we did touch a little bit on on one thing that I know if we're talking about getting into the end zone you know yeah. we do not have a viable business if we are not making sales in our business right. And, right. and we can be as busy as we like but we the business will fail if we're not making money profit right. first pay yourself right. first all that good stuff so just just touching on sales for a second okay. and straying over the line into coaches just briefly oh. because I, we talked about this before, and I know so many coaches that struggle with the sales piece because yeah. there's this kind of feeling of not wanting to be that used car salesman, salesy, right. pushy, um, you know, person. And, right. you know, let's face it, 
a lot of coaches become coaches because they just want to help people. You know, right, they have right. a passion. They may be very heart centered and be driven mm-hmm. that way and have a purpose, which is all good. But mm-hmm. how can we how can we get more clients and how can we stay in business and build a thriving and growing practice mm-hmm. without that kind of sleazy sales feeling? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. And that's something that is brought up a lot. Um, okay, so a few points on that, if you don't mind. Point number one is the idea that when people think of sales, there's actually two types of sales. There's the traditional sales approach, which is what everyone usually references. I don't like sales. It's the in your face, push, push, push. Hey, buy now, all that kind of stuff. It's the over the top, in your face, like you alluded to, salesperson. That's mm-hmm. a traditional approach. Now, when people tell me they don't like sales, what they're telling me usually is they don't like that. And that's true. I don't like that as well. But there's also a, thir- there's a, there's a third alternative. So the first alternative is just to do the sales, which they don't like. The second alternative, which they think is just to do nothing. I'm just going to let mm-hmm. this, I'm going to let the work, right? You've heard this. I'm just going to mm-hmm. let the work speak for itself. Oh, well, I'm just going to, you know, do as great a work as I can and just let the work speak for itself. The problem is that, you know, I think it's 8 billion people in the world, you know, with one of them being over in China. So, you know, let's say half is in Western society, maybe 3 billion, like, that's a lot of th- people be doing a lot of things besides looking at the great work that you're doing. You know what I mean? For so sure. that, that, that usually doesn't work. So the third alternative was what I was getting at is what's called the consultative sales approach. Now, this is, a, this is not my term. It's a great book. Um, uh, I was trying to, Michael Bosworth talks about this in mm-hmm. Solution Selling. And the consultative sales approach is a conversation about educating and it's about meeting people where they're at. So what happens is when I'm talking to you, let's say um, watching a movie, okay? We were actually watching a movie. One of my favorite movies is Black Hawk Down, actually. Uh, talks about when the, uh, I think it was the coalition because it wasn't just the US. We went into Mogadishu and they shot down like three birds. Boom, boom, boom. Okay, so it was, it was talking about that. I really liked that, really enjoyed it. I would recommend anybody who likes kind of like an action-packed war-based documentary, I would recommend that. Okay, now, was that sales right then? No, it wasn't. It was yes and no. No in the case was, I didn't say, you need to buy right now. If you don't get Blackhawk down, then that's going to be a problem. But it was talking about the solution, framing it in the context of who might like it, and then telling them why I liked it and what they can do to move forward. That's consultative sales. It's asking questions. So if like you're a coach, let's say you're a life coach, you might ask them, hey, listen, what is it that you know brought you here to talk to me about this in the first place? Well, Brian, I'm super stressed and I just got a lot going on. Really, do you find that be, to be more at home or at work? Actually, a little bit of both. Okay, well, how are you liking your work right now? Well, my boss is really starting to get on me and do some different things. What have you done? Well, I actually wound up buying... Um, uh, Dean Gaziazzo's and Tony Robbins's deal on whatever. And it was really, really good. Okay. How, why is it then we're talking now? Has that not worked for you? Well, actually there was a little bit of a gap right here and I was hoping maybe you could assist. Mm-hmm. That's asking good questions. And then yeah. from there you present yourself as a problem solver. And that's the key. When you present yourself as a problem solver to people, people will want to work with you. People think that sales is something about pushing people to you and trying to get, excuse me, pulling people to you. No, it's about attracting people by positioning yourself as a problem solver to your buying market. And then there isn't anything pushy about it. 
absolutely i love i love that and i think it is that collaborative approach you summed up so well there and and i think it also speaks very much to as coaches and and business owners we need to be really clear on understanding who it is that we want to work with and right. what their key challenges are because right. if we don't know what their key challenges are how can we possibly speak to them as part of solving them? How can we position ourselves as solving those challenges if we right. don't know what they are? And I think this right. is where that overwhelm comes in again to just play mm -hmm. back that around and, and square the circle, as it were. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. overwhelm often comes because people are out there trying and to sort of sandblast the wall with multiple messages mm -hmm. <laughs> and hoping something will land. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I try to tell people that it's like, you're totally right. I try to tell people that it's a little bit like going out into the lake if you're going to go fishing. I'm not a fisherman, but if you were, if I was, I would go out in the boat. I would go, you know, to, I don't know, um, someplace, this uh, long sound, uh, what is it called? The sound, which is up in, uh, up in Connecticut. So I would go out onto a lake, okay? And I would go and I would go get the, the boat. I'd go on the boat. I would go get the fishing rod and I'd cast it off. Okay, if it turns out that I wasn't getting any fish, what I wouldn't do is just turn around and, and you know, sail back. My brother is a boat person. We wouldn't just, oh, okay, Aaron, this is no longer where we got to go back home and go someplace else. No, I would change the bait. I would maybe change in the lake where it is. I might change some different things. Where a lot of people are doing is they're throwing literally just everything that they can into the water, trying to see to your point of something sticks, it doesn't, then they're pivoting. They haven't even done anything long enough to see if it was fixed at mm -hmm. the risk of mixing analogies. It's like putting a, a, a uh, baking a cake and putting it in, you know, for 400. And after 12 minutes, trying to figure out if it's still ready yet, oh, it's not ready. So let me throw it out. Well, maybe it would help if it was in for 44 minutes, which is what my cakes usually need to be in for. Mm. Like you need to be able to give it time to be able to for lack of a better term, matriculate and to go through and to progress. So I think a lot of times there's a lack of direction. There's a lack of vision. There's a lack of understanding. There's a lack of, from there, that creates a confusion, which creates a lack of clarity, which creates frustration, which creates and breeds unsuccessfulness. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It, and it's that consistency. It's that, you know, we talked about, I often talk with my clients about the five C's and two of those five C's are clarity to your point that we talked about at the beginning and yep. consistency. We have to right. have that consistency because if we don't have that, we've got no basis to measure from because without right. that consistency, we, you know, we, how can we possibly start doing the, the the measurement piece brian oh my goodness such great topics we've talked about today we've covered success we've covered overwhelm we've covered habit strategy we've covered sales we've covered messaging we've covered a lot <laughs> so much going on so many great topics that we've covered and and thank you so much for all your great advice now listen i know that people are going to be listening to this today goodness i could talk to you for hours and hours but if people are listening to this today i know they're going to be like how do i find out more about brian how do i connect with brian can you tell us the best ways for our listeners to connect with you after the show today Absolutely. We have a website. It's called Fast Track Success Today. 
com. So that's fast track success today.com. And there is, you'll be able to get easy access to our free Facebook group. We have got a group that talks about obviously fast tracking your success and talking about what successful people do and don't do in order to be successful. Um, it's a free deal. It's something that I really enjoy talking about and doing. Um, it's got some videos, it's got some audios, it's got all kinds of good stuff. And the second way too, is they can, they can hit me up on my podcast, which is just everyday success habits. Um, that's our podcast that we've got as well. And, um, and you can go there as well. So no, no big deal. Amazing. I will make sure as always, guys, that all these links uh, to Brian are in the show notes at michellereevescoaching.com forward slash listen, where you know you will find the show notes for this show and every other show uh, in this series and in the previous series as well. So bookmark that page for all the links that you will need to be able to contact Brian. Thank you so, so much for joining us today, Brian. I hope it's been fun for you. It's been amazing for me. It has been. It's always a pleasure talking with you. I appreciate you having me on. It totally is. Listen, thanks so much again. Take care. Okay. So there you have it, my interview with Brian. I hope you enjoyed our conversation as much as I did. And hey, if you did like this episode, would you do me a favor? Would you head over to iTunes and leave me a comment and a review? It really does mean that more amazing people will be able to find the show. Okay, that's it for me today. Thank you so much for tuning in. I know your time is valuable and I really appreciate you taking the time to join me. I'll be back soon with another episode, but in the meantime, until next time, be positive, be powerful, be productive and keep fast-tracking your ideal business and life. Bye for now.